and welcome to today's episode of Political Junction. In today's episode, I will be interviewing Ian Anderson. Now, little over a year ago, Mr Anderson resigned from his post as LGBTQ plus business champion as a result of the government's unwillingness to ban transgender conversion therapy. Today, I talk with Ian about his life before politics, his roles and responsibilities, and the reasons in which he resigned from government. We also discuss his career since government, his business, and his continued work in activism. All that and more on today's episode of Political Junction. Hello. Hello, Ian. Uh, I'm Oscar da Silva from Political Junction, and today I'm talking to uh, Ian Anderson. Welcome, Ian. Great to be with you. Yes, it's nice to have you here. Well, first, I would like to talk to you about um, the start of your career in politics when you were a business journalist. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I was... Um... There's lots of ways into journalism. So I, I kind of trained as a kind of classic news journalist. And uh, I thought that not many people want to be business journalists. People <laughs> want to be sports writers. They want to be um, news reporters. They actually want to be political journalists. Although I've obviously got that bug too. Um, but I thought actually business journalism might be a way of... Um, uh, kind of growing faster um yeah. and um well that, like everyone's interested in business now i suppose um so um, uh, it's maybe a bit more competitive these days slightly yeah and and then i know after that you you moved on to uh to work for kenneth clark is that right who's who's now a lord and he was chancellor under uh thatcher or james major know, you've, john major of course yeah and I know that you you work with him in his campaigns, and I'd really like to know about about what that was like. Yeah, so um, the thing the thing about Ken is um, he loves jazz and he loves curry. So listen to a lot of jazz, jazz uh, ate a lot of curry. Um, I still enjoy both. Wore a lot of suede shoes, but the, the serious point though is that um, Ken is one of the most unspinnable people in politics I know. Sure. Uh, maybe actually other than Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> and um, because of that, um, from a you know, communications uh, perspective, trying to control the message, uh, get Ken on, on, on script, get him on message, absolutely impossible to do. Because um, he would just speak his mind. Because he spoke his mind, actually, that was one of the reasons he was, I think, so... Um, uh, powerful as a politician. I mean, I created a tremendous connection with course, yeah. uh, with voters, um, either on an individual level or through a television lens or a kind of um, you know, whatever format. Ken just had this ability to connect, um, you know, in a way, as I say, that, that that Boris Johnson does, because he just appears to kind of see exactly, um, um, you know, really what's in there as opposed to what's being spun. Yeah. And um, there are lots of lessons maybe um, um, from that and uh, around that experience for our, for our politics today. So do you see him as sort of a, a, role, a role model to as to what a good politician can be today? Oh, I mean, look, he, he still remains a complete inspiration for me. Um, I think the Conservative Party made a huge mistake. They had three opportunities to elect him as leader, um, yeah, but they, they, they didn't go that way. 
Um, that was probably Ken's views on Europe, given where the Conservative Party was moving on on that on that subject. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that politicians who are authentic, who say what they believe, um, connect. Absolutely. And if, if a young person like me, for example, uh, if we wanted to follow in your footsteps and come to work for someone like that, how, how did you get into it? And, and how would you advise someone else to, to do the same? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was um, both at school and university, very interested in politics, um, always on, if you like, um, in terms of uh, that interest. Um, I, I worked for an MP. Um, during some of my kind of summer holidays, you'd call it an internship. Now it wasn't quite as organized um, it, when I was younger, uh, but you would call it an internship. Now, so I did that for several summers, kind of got to understand uh, Westminster and um, how the political machine operated, how, how the political machine ticks. And um, yeah, that's been uh, over the years a very well worn way into getting involved, but there are lots of ways to get involved in, in politics these days in, in a way that, um, you know, frankly, online just wasn't available to me. So, yeah. you know, you you know, starting to kind of write about what you think, starting to um, either get published or, or self-published, um, and, and trying to kind of catch, catch people's eye with interesting ideas. Um, I think that's, um, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity uh, a tremendous sort of democratization, actually, in a way of how you can get involved in politics uh, these days. So, of course, so instead of like uh, going down the traditional route and going straight to straight to a, a, a low level ministerial post, you'd suggest trying to get involved in politics through other mediums, starting in journalism and then working your way up to to a higher ranking ministerial post. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, I believe our best politicians have actually done something else. Uh, you know, we're talking about Ken. Ken, Ken was a lawyer. He was a barrister. Um, you know, I, I was involved in journalism before I got involved in politics, before I got involved in, in, in what I do right now in, in terms of communications, um, PR, public affairs. Um, I do think that really good politicians have done something other than politics. Yeah. And, and moving on to the next bit, I want to talk about, of course, the, the recent stuff with you being the LGBTQ plus business champion in the government. And I want to I want to start to ask uh, at first, how, how did that come about for you? How did how did that opportunity arise? Well, I, I've been involved in sort of LGBT activism and activism around business um, in that sense for um, the last seven, eight years, the last decade or so. And um, I had many, many conversations with government in the day job. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I, yeah, what I do. And government, government approached me in, in the spring of last year of 2021 to say, look, you do all this. Might you help, um, you know, uh, create better dialogue, particularly um, around what could happen in small businesses? Yeah, I mean, small businesses are half the economy. There's a big focus on what happens in big businesses um, in terms of diversity at work. And I said, look, I'd love to do that. I mean, I've run a small business for most of my life. My business Cicero, AMO, um, most of my career. Um, but actually, um, uh, I, I, I've seen how uh, 
in larger businesses can perhaps go faster. So I, you know, took my business into um, a large um, global um, communications group called um, Havas um, just at the start of the pandemic. And yeah. I can see there's a lot more bandwidth and a lot more opportunity. So I said, I said to government, look, you know, let's create a bit, bit more of a focus here um, around how we can support smaller businesses. They said, well, that's a good idea. We did several events. And then I think I rather talked myself into a job by the summer of last year um, and um, uh, w- w- was appointed as the UK's first ever LGBT business champion. It's, it's a role I absolutely loved um, uh, until I had to step back. So you, you did enjoy your position? I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the chance to um, go further and faster in terms of support for LGBT people, um, the opportunity to allow businesses, large and small, to showcase what they're doing, the opportunity to help LGBT people in work in places where it is um, illegal. Uh, still to be um, LGBT plus. I mean, you know, there are 70 countries in the world where it's um, still illegal to be gay. Some of those countries, some of those countries sadly will throw you off a building. um, And um, if you're gay and um, that's perfectly legal. Uh, So, you know, really we were kind of making a whole bunch of progress on how business can support um, uh, uh, greater diversity, support, and allow people to be themselves at work, and um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm really, I'm really glad you you enjoyed your post there. But obviously, in light of recent events, after the um, the controversial, not full ban of conversion therapy, you you had to resign your post, and I, I see here that it says you had to resign, and with a heavy heart, you you did that. Um, why did you feel that it had to be the time for you to resign then? Uh, because it wasn't the basis on which I took the job, Oscar. I took the job on the basis that I was the LGBT champion, not yeah. the, just the LGB champion. And, you know, the government decided um, that it wanted to, well, firstly, briefly, for about three or four hours, uh, not ban conversion therapy for those of you that are aware you know conversion therapy i would call quackery it's basically um uh trying to convince people who are um lgbt that that, that they shouldn't be or that they could be cured um of being gay i mean I'm, i don't need to be cured of being gay i don't know um what you and your listeners think i mean no, of, of, be, of course be, not of course not it's, it's just be, being gay being gay is an inherent part of me um, and Natural. yeah, Absolutely. entirely, absolutely. And uh, it was a manifesto commitment. Um, the government saw pretty quickly that there was um, uh, a big backlash against the idea of uh, pulling the legislation completely. So they they made a they made a sort of partial U-turn to say, well, actually, we'll ban it for LGB people, but not necessarily immediately for trans people. And I yeah. I'd be making commitments only. A week 10 days earlier to say that the policy being pursued was a all-inclusive policy and I thought well no this is a sort of matter of a point of principle for me and I do think in public life when um, you are um, you know to some extent you feel your principles are being compromised that you know yeah. that's a moment that's a moment to step back but there's a big 
There's a big battle going on uh, in terms of what happens in the forthcoming Queen's speech and the legislation. And um, I do think that the government's got it wrong on this one. And I, I think one hundred percent agree. I one hundred percent. I think there will be change. I think I think there's a lot of support in Parliament to have an all-inclusive, comprehensive ban. I I totally agree with you. And I know that earlier in the year, even there was an LGBTQ plus uh, panel that three members quit over the government, dragging their heels on just the whole ban itself. And then the, the panel was disbanded altogether. And now that you've quit, do you think that that could be the final thing to make the government really think, you know what, we need to change and we need to do the good thing, do the right thing to help and support all LGBTQ plus people? Well, look, I, I think an opportunity has been missed here. I mean, sadly, also, as I resigned, the government um, was, um, you know, cancelled, um, in, in a way forced to cancel because a lot of the civil society groups that support LGBT people pulled out uh, of a global conference that was going to be taking place in June, which we're all working towards. A real opportunity for the UK to show that it was leading on LGBT rights, and, and that opportunity has been taken away. Look, um, let's not dwell on the negative. I do think there is an opportunity to sort of build build back this conversation again. I hope Parliament's going to, as you make this an all-inclusive ban, and we can, you know, go forward um, after um, quite a difficult few months. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and obviously, I, I, I want to move on now to your your business, uh, Cicero and Ammo. What, what exactly? I know that you guys are a, a, a public relations and somewhat a lobbying firm. I mean, what exactly do you do there for, for my for my listeners to, to understand? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we're trying to help shape uh, public opinion, shape legislation, uh, shape regulation. Um, so that, um, you know, there's a really, really, really robust and important debate that takes place uh, before um, legislation um, uh, or, um, you know, market activity kind of takes place. So, you know, we work with politicians, we work with journalists, work with regulators, uh, do quite a lot of uh, voter polling to inform um, um, uh, kind of campaigns. Um, we called the business Cicero after the famous Roman orator Marcus Tullius uh, Cicero. Oh, so for the, yeah. yeah, yeah. So those of you, those of you who are listening who are classicists or <laughs> a bit more up to date, uh, read a lot of Robert Harris's books about Cicero. Um, yeah, I've, I've read those. Right. So that, the whole thing about Cicero was he was about having a great conversation yeah um and we called the business cicero because actually what we try and do is help um uh, the organizations uh, that that we work with have a great conversation i i do believe particularly in the 21st century that communications is a one-way street where you just push and receive um, in a digital world it's a conversation and it's yeah. about trying to have the best conversation that you can I mean, that's a very, very nice summary. Thank you so much. Uh, and I wanted to, uh, to talk about, so this is a, a sad topic and I know a lot of, a lot of people uh, in, in school struggle to come out to their peers and a lot of people in work struggle to come out to their colleagues. And how, how is that for you? 
So, um, I, mean, I, I didn't come out until after school, until after university. I don't think I came out, actually, until I was in about 23, 24. I'd already started work. And I was, um, um, you know, in, in a way, I was le- leading a bit of a double life. You know, I yeah, was, um, you know, not out at work and um, quite nervous, quite anxious about being out in my in my in my personal life, um, things have moved on, thank goodness, um, c- considerably. Um, but was I really out at work? Um, what, did I make it a whole part of me? Probably not really until the last ten years or so, Oscar. And um, I, you know, in a way, I look back and I think, well, what was I waiting for? <laughs> look, when I was born. The legislation to decriminalise being gay had only just been passed. And I was born in Scotland, and that legislation actually only applied initially to England. You, you, weren't, you weren't legal being gay um, until it's I was 12 terrible. years old in Scotland. Yeah. So you kind of, brought, you know, it was so fresh um, that you kind of brought up in an era where, whilst it might have been legal, there wasn't an awful lot of acceptance um, around, and thank goodness things are so much better than, than than they were. But I just decided, really, about a decade ago, that I would make all of me um, a, a more definitive part of me at work, and my business is six times larger than it was um, a decade ago. Um, as I say, we, we've um, you know, taken the business into, into Havas. They've taken a strategic stake in, yeah. in, 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 in the business. And, uh, you know, more people have kind of come to find us um, as a result. So um, I suppose my message would be, um, you know, absolutely bring all of you to every situation um you know being, being gay is a part of you it's not all of you but but it is a very important part of you and i i think that sort of honesty and candor um is is really really important in terms of just being happy and fulfilled yeah but it's, it's such a shame that for for some it's still a, a really difficult experience coming out in the workplace and it, it, it is and, and 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 for me that's the importance of signaling from you know as you kind of grow in, in in life and grow a business and become a leader in a business it's an important thing to do to to, to signal that acceptance is um absolutely vital um you know, you know you must allow people to flourish um and um i mean i think the current statistics tend to show that about a third of gay people um, are still not out um or don't feel comfortable that they can be out um, at work. Now, there's, you know, um, I, I would never be in the place where I would want to force people out. Absolutely not. Um, but it's, I think, quite important that people feel that they're able uh, to be themselves and, and they don't yeah. feel that they have to hide that. That is, uh, that is it. it. It's, it's that in, in workplaces and in, in, in environments where people may feel uncomfortable still, it is it's so vital that people know that they will be accepted for who they are. And I think that can boost, 
everyone's mental health. It can boost performance at work. It can really make people feel loads, 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 loads better with their life. And I, I really think that's an important thing to do. And, and there's evidence that that's the case. You know, there really yeah, is hard absolutely, evidence yeah. that that's the case. Yeah. And I, and I know that you um, you work for a number of charities alongside the the uh, unpaid role as business champion, which you've now resigned from. Uh, I know you still work as an ambassador for Stonewall, I believe, and uh, in the charity uh, Give Out. Could you describe some of your roles at those two charities? Yeah, I mean, with, with Stonewall, it's really about helping them bring awareness um, to some of their activity, um, helping them fundraise, because, you know, charities can't do their stuff without money. Um, so course, helping them with yeah. that. Give Out is an amazing initiative. I was involved in the, the early phases of Give Out, um, and it's a, a, a platform to allow people to give support, particularly to LGBT charities in some of those countries where it is it is really not safe to be me. So um, sure. in in um, you know in, in several territories, Give Out uh, has given significant grassroots support um, to LGBTQ activists who uh, operate in very very tough um, uh, locations. Um, and um, I'm really kind of proud of that. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's whole focus. Be, is, I mean, it's, it's very really, much it's kind of a global approach across across the world. And I, I mean, being part of something like that. I, I mean, I mean, how do you how do you come across these things? Did the charity reach out to you? Did you reach out to the charity? Yeah, I mean, I I, I met the funder. Um, um, uh, of the charity, uh, amazing guy called um, Elliot Vaughan, who had this idea. I met him actually through some of the wider activism I was getting in, um, getting involved in in this space. And he said, uh, "Do you want to become a trustee and help us?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I, why not?" Um, and uh, it's been an amazing ride. I'm I'm so glad you've you've uh, done that stuff and really helped people. So, to to finish off, I have a few listener questions from from people uh starting with number one uh it's from a 16 year old boy named tens he says if you're originally a man have xy chromosomes and have changed gender e.g become trans in the british law does the law still treat you as your original gender for example a woman who used to be a man had a fight with another woman who was born xx chromosomes will the trans person be judged as partially male because she will still have some natural strength due to her original male testosterones. Yeah, so um, there is uh, legislation uh, that allows people to um, uh, change their gender recognition. Yeah, there is yeah. something called the Gender Recognition Certificate. Yeah, so you know, in these particular uh, cases, uh, with the right level of counselling and support and when somebody uh, uh, transitions uh, through that process they can also apply for something called a gender recognition certificate that then allows you to uh, change your gender recognition um, and to allow you to be um, uh, uh, defined and treated by the, by the public system and um, 
um, any, anywhere else where you need to interact um, in the gender that you have uh, transitioned to or, or wish to be known for. Yeah, so there is, um, you know, uh, very well worked through um, legislation that allows that to happen. Thanks. That was. I hope that helped you, Thames. And also, I've got. I've got one more uh, from Onyx Gardner, also sixteen. Um, uh, she says, "What steps do you think that the government should slash can make to improve trans issues with the public and also in Parliament?" Well, just having been through the experience that that I've been through over the of the past few weeks, I, I think we all need to try and stop. Uh, making trans people's um, experiences a political football. You know, these are people's lives that we're talking about. And I think there needs to be just a lot cooler, more rational um, kind of conversation that allows for a better and more informed conversation to take place. Um, Frankly, an an awful lot of it is not happening on the internet right now. And we just need to make that uh, a, a whole lot better. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ian. I hope that answered your questions, Onyx and Thames. Thank you so much for this interview today. I very much enjoyed myself and I hope you have uh, learned stuff and uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself, Ian, as well. Oscar, it's been great to be with you. Thanks very much. Thank you.